<laughs> Call the meeting order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at www.qac.org live or on QAC TV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. In-person attendance at tonight's meeting will be limited to accommodate social distancing guidelines. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering our building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a healthcare provider. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. Citizens may also join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment or you may email your comments to publiccomment at qac.org. We will accept comments up until the end of the meeting. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period of this evening's agenda. During the meeting, we would ask that you turn all electronic devices off and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Main Senate for a moment of silence for the uh, 500,000 people who have died from COVID in this country. Thank you. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, we just held a closed session under section 305B1 to discuss boards and commissions. And I believe we did reach some consensus on the Economic Development Incentive Fund reappointments. Yep. Uh, I vote to approve the reappointment of Bill Wormsley and Tom Glenn to serve on the Economic Development Incentive Fund Commission. Second. We've got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion passes. All right. Thank you, commissioners. And we also wanted to announce that the um, our health officer, Dr. Ciotola, has appointed as the Maryland Vaccine Equity Task Force Chairperson for Queen Anne's County, Ms. Doreen Fassett, and she is our Alcohol and Drug Abuse Prevention Supervisor at our County Health Department. So we welcome okay. her on that assignment. Thank you. That brings us to the approval of the agenda for today. Our meeting on February 23rd, 2021. And we also sent the regular and closed session minutes from your February 9th meeting electronically for your review. Can I get a motion? Motion uh, to approve is submitted. Second. Got a motion second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes. All right. Thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first press and public comment period. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. 
Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely, and we ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming any citizens and name-calling when offering any critique. All right, we have uh, Jenna Scott. Ms. Scott out there? How are you doing? <laughs> you, you can take, can take mask your mask off. off while you're speaking. Mm. Uh, hi, my name is Jenna Scott. So I've attended almost every uh, public workshop held so far for the QAC planning commission process. Um, and so multiple people have made a great point that um, we as a county and as a community need to actively focus on our resiliency and sustainability in the face of a climate crisis. The winter storms last week across the Midwest only heightened the urgency of that need. Across Texas, millions of people were left without water or power for days and without the necessary infrastructure or preparedness to mitigate or recover from the disaster. It could be easy enough to dismiss that. After all, we're... Um, we're prepared for winter weather. We have salt supplies and snow plows and residents know how to stay warm. But the point is that it might not be another winter storm. It could be another hurricane or another tornado or more flooding. It could be something that we haven't even thought to be afraid of. We must become more resilient, more aware of the risks, more able to adapt quickly and protect the most vulnerable in what is already an environmentally vulnerable county. So what should we do? Um, there are a few concrete suggestions I can think of with the caveat that I am not a professional engineer and this does not constitute engineering advice. Um, we can increase public awareness of disaster preparation. We can invest in a variety of green renewable energy sources and invest from fossil fuels. We can invest in living shorelines and other measures to combat flooding and erosion. I know we're wrapping up a housing study right now and I think it would be worth it to look at that study through the lens of who's the most vulnerable in a disaster who would be the most at risk and how can we minimize that risk. But the most important thing we can do is listen to and hire experts in community and coastal resiliency. Their expertise could be the difference between a quick recovery and a long one, or the recovery, or, or the difference between recovery and destruction. I want to be really explicit and say that we cannot afford to wait for someone else to take the initiative. We cannot afford to wait for the state to decide what to do or watch and see what other counties do. By the time we've caught up, it will be too late. We as a county and you as our elected officials need to be proactive and be role models for other communities. Certainly we must share resources and knowledge with our neighbors and we must learn from and help each other, but we need to take the lead in forming those relationships and setting the pace for county resiliency. Thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Scott. Can you submit that? Yes. Just give it to... And as a point before, um, so you may want to right go on. We do, on, in terms of disaster planning, three years ago, we revamped it and we have, you, you take the time, go on the website and check it out. There, it is, the one we have for Queen Anne's County, I think is probably top notch here in the state, so. That's all we have in the list. Is there anybody on uh, Zoom? Uh, we have no Zoom public comment, but I did get a voicemail literally right as we started, so I'm not sure I didn't get to screen it. I don't know if it's for a public hearing or just public comment. Why don't you screen it and then sure. we'll and we can play come back it to it later. Just in case, you know. Yeah, no problem at all. 
You never know. Could be some choice words. Yes. <laughs> Our monitors aren't working. They're monitors. They were on. Okay, I'll take a look. Oh, but that's all for a public comment. Thank you. I think Phil broke it. I think Phil broke it. You want to start with this one? Yeah, they were on, and then they all just went black. Okay. Well, don't feel bad. Me and Stevie don't have monitors. <laughs> we don't. I think we keep going. Okay, we can uh, move on to uh, new business. But first, let me just um, make one uh, note here. The uh, public hearing that is scheduled, uh, that is listed on the agenda, the original agenda for 6 o'clock for the comprehensive water and sewer plan was advertised at 6.15. So we will be starting that hearing, but we'll, it'll start at 6.15 rather than 6. So the uh, mutual aid agreement hearing will start at 6.10 before that hearing. All right, so commissioners, if you want to turn to tab number three, we have uh, a dozen action items for your consideration this evening. So tab three, uh, page one, item one, is a letter to Secretary Greg Slater requesting an evaluation that we use that the state MDOT, MDTA look at a west, westbound contraflow uh, four lanes going west and one lane east in that operation for potentially for Sunday uh, evening summertime use during beach season that allows more traffic to go west during those peak times on Route 50. I move to sign and send a letter to Gregory, Gregory Slater, MDT Secretary, regarding the Chesapeake Bay Bridge use of westbound contraflow, four lanes west, one lane east. Second. Okay, got a motion. Phil got a second. Uh, any discussion on that? Just, I'll <laughs> put the caveat that the the second letter, the one with. You can mention that if you want to bring. We're only introducing in. the one into the record, Jim. Okay. The second one. Yeah. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just if you under, understand out there, this the idea is to get the cars off of Ken Island mm -hmm. quicker in the summer and over to Annapolis and let them deal with the traffic. Well, it's because. In years past, we bring we brought up the the mention of contraflow on Sunday nights to go four lanes west, one lane east, and the argument we always got back from the state was we can't. The toll booths are there. There's not enough room to merge in. Well, the tolls are gone. Now is the time. You know, in 66, other places around the, uh, Maryland and Virginia, they use the shoulders for our high volume times. So on Sundays, if we have four lanes going east, that traffic maybe instead of moving five miles an hour, moves 15 miles an hour, and they stay off our side roads and. Get them out. So that's that's what this letter is asking the Being state. Four lanes to, going west. Yes, four, four lanes, lanes going, going west. west right? right. One coming east. Correct. And, and uh, we already know that the two lane bridge they do contraflow with tractor trailers and everybody else in the evening. So that that can't be an excuse. So we hope that the, they'll look at this and take a hard look because we're a long ways from a new bridge. And with the gate system, Jim, they, it should be more manageable, right? They don't have once the gates are installed, right. once they won't have to flip cones and all that. It'll exactly. be a matter of just pushing buttons and That's right. making it happen. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes no, sense. No different than when they close off the westbound bridge at night and the gates go up, and right, it'll push the contraflow over there. And they, you know, the, I, actually, I envision the fourth lane being the left shoulder. You know, and the left shoulder will just continue to go up and get on the eastbound bridge, come back, and I don't, you know, to me. You could, you could, once you get past the um, the uh, old toll booth, once you get past it, that concrete wall, there's a shoulder there. You could use that shoulder and go up as, you know, that's up to the state to determine, but a mile before you have to merge back in. You know, one thing that I do remember from, from Sheriff Hoffman showing us all the time when they had issues with the traffic, three lanes would be going on the Bay Bridge and where they would slow down is in the bend. So they'd make it up over the peak westbound. And once they hit that bend, they'd all slow down. 
So this would help with the traffic on the other bridge, filtering that back in. You know, there, I'm hoping there'd be enough of a gap, and but then again, I'm not an engineer, so we'll see what they say. All right, so we have a, a motion to sign and send a letter to Greg Slater regarding uh, westbound contraflow, four lanes west, one lane east. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number two on page two is a grant application support letter uh, for the trustees of Dudley's Chapel to the Maryland Heritage Area Program. They are seeking financial assistance towards expenses to install a new roof on the historic Dudley's Chapel. I move to sign the MHAA grant application for Dudley's Chapel support letter. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries 5-0. All right, thank you, commissioners. And item three on page three is a, a second letter. And this one is also to the Maryland Heritage uh, Areas Program. And it's a grant application to support the Sellersville Community Betterment Club for funding. They are seeking to, uh, to establish the Sellersville Train Station Museum and Educational Center in Sellersville. I, I move to sign the MHAA grant application for the Sellersville Train Station Museum and Educational Center support letter. Second. And a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item number four on page four, and this is, uh, this is grant night tonight. <laughs> this is a grant application for a National Fish and Wildlife Foundation Innovative Nutrient and Sediment Reduction Grant for two purposes, the Cloverfields Drainage Enhancement Study and to support the establishment of a regional watershed stewards academy. So can I get a motion on that? I move to sign the Queen Anne's County Letter of Support for the NFWF 2021 Innovative Nutrient and Sediment Reduction Grant Application. Second. Get a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Five zero. Okay. And I want to thank uh, our chief engineer, Stop Lee Edgar. Roll. He's here this evening and uh, engineer, our newest uh, professional engineer, Ms. Janet Wilding. She put this together. So we look forward to some uh, receiving some additional grant monies for these, these projects. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, moving right along. Uh, item number five on page, beginning on page eight. We have um, two operation and maintenance agreements, one for water and one for wastewater. And this would allow the county sanitary district to assume maintenance responsibilities in the town of Sellersville. And Mr. Quimby. I move to approve and execute the two contracts to allow county staff to operate and maintain the town of Sellersville's water treatment plant and wastewater treatment plant, as well as its three wastewater pump stations. Second. Okay. Any Come discussion? On. Come on down, Alan. No. I'm good. I mean, I'm good with it. No yeah, I just, I mean, has the town signed off? They have not signed off. I did speak with the uh, president um, of the town council, Keith Griffith. He is ready to sign this. He said he okay, couldn't so be here before before tonight's meeting, but he will be here tomorrow. Okay. To Just so we this. don't have one of those, we're good, and then all of a sudden there's yeah. a change. Yeah, and, so. and we are ready to go in there, I believe, on uh, March the 1st to okay. start uh, that Very transition good. process. Very I good. want to thank Alan Quimby, our Public thank Works you, Director, for, for uh, this. working through this uh, process. Okay. All right, so we have a motion to approve and execute the two contracts to allow county staff to operate and maintain the town of Sutherlandville's water treatment plant and wastewater treatment plant, as well as its three wastewater pump stations. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. That's 
Motion passes. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item six on page 29 is a request to release a portion of a forest conservation easement. And this is a small piece of property uh, that SHA purchased subsequent to this easement being created down at the intersection of uh, 309 and 404, and they would like that to be released and pay a fee in lieu for that. Can I get a motion on that? I move to approve the requested action by SHA and, and execute the release of easement and the county collect a fee in lieu of payment of $1,279.08 to release the 3,800 square foot area from the platted protective easement. Second. The motion is second. Any discussion? It, did they need this for something specific, Todd, or is this just a house cleaning from the, all the other construction or what? I believe it's just kind of house cleaning. It's in there right away. They want to be able to use that um, at some point. They don't have any specific need that I'm aware of at this point in time. Okay. Yeah. Any other discussion? Okay, so we have a motion to approve the requested action by SHA and execute the release of easement in the county to collect a fee in lieu payment of $1,279.08 to release the 3,800 square foot area from the platted protective easement. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Five <coughs> zero. All right, thank you commissioners. Item number seven on beginning on page 35 is a termination of open space easement and termination of forest conservation easement for the Merrick Farm administrative subdivision and this one is a bit unusual the original subdivision was uh, 23 lots 20 cluster lots two sliding scale lots and one large lot and they provided all the open space they needed for that the applicant now is proposing to uh, dissolve 21 of those lots and combine them into one lot which was the original parcel so that reduces their requirements for both open space and forest conservation I move to sign the Merrick Farms LLC termination of open space easement and the termination of forest conservation easement. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? Any reason why? Do you have any? I mean, I don't. Ha I didn't get a reason why. I'm I wonder why that he's. This individual's giving up those. You can never get those back. Nope. Okay. I can All certainly right. follow up on that. And, and no, it's no big deal. Maybe I just, if you knew, great. If not. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Five zero. Motion passes. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Item number eight is a request for sponsorship for the Queen Anne's County Public Schools Teacher of the Year 18th Annual Awards Gala on April 16th. And we did sponsor this last year at the platinum level. So. I move to support the Teacher of the Year 18th Annual Awards Gala with a $1,000 donation. Second. All right, got a motion to second. Um, they didn't have the gala last year. What, what happens with when we give them the money to sponsor it? Did it goes into a fund, or do we know what happens with that? I can certainly ask them. Um, <laughs> Just curious. I thought, didn't they, I thought they had a virtual gala. Did they gala. do a virtual one? I think they, they did a virtual have. gala. Yeah, something did along they? those lines. How do you how do you eat pigs in a blanket virtually? <clears throat> By your own. Um, you just ship it to the house ahead of time, <laughs> pop it in the microwave, <laughs> or I guess Grubhub or something. <laughs> um, I just want to make make sure that when we go to shop for the the ultimate winner of the Teacher of the Year next year, that that I go with Margie. That's part of the agreement. 
of becoming a platinum sponsor that I go with Margie when we to buy it. This is a different animal. To buy it. This is a different animal. This is just for the gala. That doesn't count the uh, right. thing. That's yeah. a whole other one. I know. I know. He just wants to make sure everybody knows ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we got a motion to support the Teacher of the Year 18th Annual Gala with a platinum sponsorship of $1,000. All those in favor? Uh, Aye. Aye. Five zero. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, item number nine on page 54 is the uh, annual estimate of operating expenses for the mosquito control program. This is from the Maryland Department of Agriculture. This is an annual grant we get from them to operate our mosquito control program here in the county. I move to sign the estimate of operating expenses for mosquito control in Queen Anne's County. Second. And, and one thing they need to update. <laughs> did you <laughs> see it? Same thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like what, five years off? <laughs> five years off on our commission president. It it's, would yeah. be nice to send it to the right yeah, person. Yeah, to the right one. At least yeah. have some of these, the current commissioners on the letter. <laughs> At least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so noted, we will ask them to make that adjustment. Where, where do I see Joe Barton's daughter? Yeah. Okay. Um, any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Five vote passes. All right, thank you, commissioners. And I mean, that wasn't the last time we did mosquito control, I don't think, right? Five years oh, ago. Oh, no, no, no. No, I we, think we just did last that's year. That's what I'm saying. All right. These are old mosquitoes. Yeah. I think this means we get to send the bill to Mark. Address <laughs> to him. Uh, All right, commissioners, uh, thank you very much. Item number 10 on page 57 is budget amendment CC 27 for the MHT Special Loans and Grants Program, and this is just moving money from last year into this year. Uh, uh, move to approve that? Budget Amendment CC 27. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Five zero. Passes. Right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item number 11 on, um, excuse, yeah, item number 11 on page 58 is Budget Amendment CC 28, and this is for the Economic Development Department, and this is providing budget authority for their rebranding project. Motion to approve budget amendment CC 28. Second. Got a motion, um, a second from Phil. Uh, any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5 0. All right, thank you, commissioners. And item number 12 is the, the updated. Um, Fiscal year 21 budget calendar going forward. It's beginning on page 59. Page 60 actually is, is the schedule itself. We have listed on here the various departments that will be coming in to present uh, to the commissioners at budget work sessions uh, one and two. We have two additional work sessions, um, April 13th and 15th. So if there's any additional uh, departments you would like to see, we've, we've listed all the major departments on here that we've um, so that's what those two dates year. are for. Any additional that we would possibly want to see? If we yeah, if we need those, they're okay. they're scheduled. So just please mark your calendars. And we also wanted to um, investigate whether we wanted to have three public hearings this year. Last year we had just the uh, constant yield hearing. We have scheduled three for May 10th, May 11th, and May 12th, as we have traditionally done, but with the uh, Last year, we only had the one hearing because of the uh, COVID restrictions. So not sure where we'll be. I would, like, I, I would like us to consider going back to, to having those three meetings. 
Um, uh, I, I would too. I mean, if we're having them in a large space, we can have um, an occupancy restriction, you know, if we need to. But I think, I mean, if we go to North County, there's not a ton of people that come out so they can. I, I just think we need that. to run it past Dr. C and ask yeah. him what, yeah, what we what need saying. to do and how we need to make it happen. Provide I agree we, need, we need to do them, but we need to make sure we're in compliance with everything yeah. else that's going on. I believe right. we have scheduled I, those, Marjorie, yes. right? They are my, scheduled. My point was not that we just don't quickly fall on COVID and say, no, we'll do the constant yield and, yep. and that's it. We've mm -hmm. got to start working our way back to some semblance of normality. And, and I think, you know, giving people the opportunity to speak to us and address us regarding the budget um, is important. And getting, yeah. getting no back. disagreement there. Okay. Well, we are we are scheduled for those all three, and we will continue down that path and make sure we meet all the uh, uh, required protocols and guidelines. And we'll revisit as we get closer on safety and everything else. And that mark that May 18th budget work session. That's also just in case. That's our finalized. The May 18th budget work session number five. Yeah, that's the final work session for any last uh, changes after the public hearings. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then we would adopt the budget on June the 8th. All right, you get a motion. I move to approve the FY budget calendar. Second. And a motion second. <laughs> exactly. That'd be the permitted yeah. Any more discussion on that? <coughs> all right, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, motion passed. Okay. <coughs> right, commissioners, thank you very much. That concludes all of the uh, new business for this evening. We are a little ahead of schedule. We have a public hearing for the mutual aid agreement at 610. And uh, I don't know if Mr. Bill Faust is here. We have a swearing in ceremony. We could. See here? I, I don't know. I here. told him to be here at 620, but. Okay. Do round table. So if he's table. here, we can take care of that. If not, we can uh, round table. do round table. We'll do round table early? We can, or take a break, whatever. Let's go ahead and do round table early. Jack, your idea? I can start with you. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> Tell us a joke. <laughs> we got time to oh, oh, no, I mean, I guess, uh, so just Five a minutes. quick Annapolis update, I guess. So uh, it was funny, we went from 300 bills a week to vet too. There's two this week that makers actually got to look at. So hopefully the glut of bills is done. And I don't know that a whole lot of motion's been had on all. Everybody knows the Kerwin bill was overridden. So the Kerwin is now once again law. The funding formulas are once again law. Um, so I know there's a lot of angst out there amongst some of our other counties. Obviously, Did you we're see some of those posts. Uh, yeah, I mean we're in Queen Anne's County. We're we're on par, and you know where we're supposed to be according to Kerwin. So we'll see how that pans out when we actually get into the uh, nuts and bolts of the budget, um, where the the our board of ed and the superintendent feel like uh, they are money wise. But again, it's you know it's state law now, so we we have that to uh, look at. Um, there's been a lot of, I guess, and I, I get the reason, there's been a lot of uh, what they call um, subtraction modifications. And, and if anybody hears, you don't really hear about them, but they're, it's kind of a sneaky way to um, try to help people with uh, tax relief um, through COVID. So, you know, on the, on the surface, that's like a great idea. Everybody's in favor of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so for our veterans or our first responders, or our teachers, you know, they really picked a lot of groups this year. I bet, uh, Chris, what would you say? We had 50, 60 different uh, groups that were targeted. But the problem with that is, is 
instead of giving it as a tax credit at the state level, they basically go down to the county level and say, okay, well, you're going to give the tax credit and the state will be held harmless, but you as the county, you're okay with giving that money back to the state, or, you know, back to the taxpayer, which we have in the past in certain things. We've done a first responder stuff and things like that. But, you know, and, and when Jim was on Make It With Me, we always had this conversation that's kind of like Pandora's box. Once you open it up to one group, how many more groups are going to come knocking at the door for that same kind of uh, sweetheart deal? You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I don't think any of them have really gotten any traction because a lot of the counties are already hurting. They obviously can't turn around and, and give all these revenue breaks in one given year with whatever the COVID uh, fallout might be in terms of budgeting. But I just want people to know that, and, and you'll see press about this, I just want you to know, we, it's not that we don't believe that those groups could benefit or that they wouldn't be uh, good programs. The, the one thing that the history has told us here from the county government level is the state makes up all these programs and they typically call them pilots. And they're like, we're gonna run this out and see how it goes. Well, most of them are great. What happens though is the state for the first couple of years says, well, we're gonna fund it at this level, $10 million just to use a number. Two years go by, the pilot's doing great, everybody loves the program locally, and then the state comes in and says, yeah, well, we're gonna have to cut that now, so county, you have to pick that up. It's what's often referred to as an unfunded mandate because the mandate comes in because you as the county electeds aren't gonna go back to your people and say, yeah, we know you love that program, but the state's not funding it anymore, so we're just gonna yank the plug on it. So it really puts the counties in a bind, and that's why I'm, I'm kinda glad to see that cooler heads prevail and we steer away from some of this stuff until we actually see what the long-term fiscal effects would be because, you know, I, I, I can't remember the total fiscal notes, but I know it was in close to the 70 to 80 million dollar hit to the counties with a lot of these uh, sub-mods that would have come through. Not to mention the, in the stimulus bill, which uh, on the surface, everything in it was good except for the fact that there's 180 million dollars of forgiveness on the unemployment, which again is great, but that also is that 180 million gets passed down to the county budget. So it's gonna, you know, right now, I think, you know, we're gonna see a hit of about two and a half to $3 million and we're gonna have to work from within that framework. So like I said, if people see it on the news and, you know, sometimes people try to over, you know, uh, exaggerate things, it's not that your county elected officials don't like these programs or think we don't like you because of it. It's just sometimes it just doesn't make sense for the county to absorb it all and the state not to absorb anything. So, you know, we, we're okay with the shared programs, but sometimes to just keep pushing it down on the counties makes it harder and harder for us to do our job here and maintain some of the services and all. So that's all I got. Okay. Commissioner Dumino. Um, I just, it's really more of an awareness uh, comment that I wanted to make. Um, during the pandemic, and, and you're talking about state dollars, CARES monies, and, and some of the businesses that suffered, some aren't going to be able to reopen. Um, some really, really took it on a, took a hit uh, during this pandemic. And so there were state and federal dollars that were made available to local jurisdictions to disseminate that money out to businesses. And I just want to uh, just do a, a kudos and a shout out to Heather Tonelli and her staff and the boards that she put together to distribute these dollars um, uh, to the businesses that need it, to vet the application process. Um, it was a monumental task considering the amount of dollars that were issued um, and the number of businesses that needed the help. Um, so kudos to Heather Tonelli and her staff and the boards that she put together the Economic Development Board and all those folks that helped distribute those dollars. So great job to all of them. 
Okay. Just Mason Moran? No comments from you? We were yeah. work to him. Oh, you haven't gotten to him yet? Uh, okay, I thought maybe. Okay. Anyways, so I'm going to get back and touch on what Jack started to talk about with all the different bills. And, and I've testified on four or five so far. And one that there's been a little uh, chatter out on Facebook about is the uh, one to eliminate uh, voting by um, district. Well, one to impose voting by district on five counties in the state of Maryland. And Commissioner Wilson and I both sat in on that uh, to testify. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a total witch hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, stacked. Yeah, it was. There was 23 people in favor of this to eliminate uh, voting by uh, what's the term? At large. large. At large. Excuse at me. Large. Yeah, voting at large for everybody. Uh, so I testified uh, against the bill. We had a letter of support uh, for against opposing it, and uh, you know, uh, I basically told them that look at in Queen Anne's County, the same subject came up. And we did it the right way. Our delegation got us to a straw poll uh, on the ballot uh, for the 2018 or 2016 election period. And overwhelmingly, 54 to 46, the county wanted to stay electing their commissioners the way uh, they've been doing for decades. So, you know, that was a voice that, you know, the message that we pushed out to them said, if you want to do this, don't just strip it, just let your citizens decide. And I don't know if that's carrying any weight or not. I'm a little concerned about it, so we'll see what happens when it gets to the Senate side, because it's making, it looks like it's gonna make its way out of the House. Um, the other votes were just the alcohol ones that we had all discussed. Uh, one was a surprising one, was the one for the, uh, to allow the alcohol sale uh, to go food to continue for two years after this COVID pandemic is over. That's what the bill says, and naturally we put it in with amendments to say that the uh, the county should have the right to terminate it when they feel it's, it's necessary. But there was a lot of people in opposition against this bill, which I thought that was nice. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, honestly. I, you know, I think that once COVID's over, then, then this should stop because of the plain fact that you're, you know, the people that you're hurting the most are your waitresses and waiters and bar staff. I mean, they're not getting any tips. You know, if this is going to, if people are eating in their car, drinking in their car, Sheriff's the only one's going to get the extra work, right? So, so I mean, I you know I understand it during COVID, and that, that's a you know we'll see how that all transpires, uh, and the rest of them. Like I said, there's still the bill to come for anybody that uh, impedes traffic on Route 50, and more importantly, the Bay Bridge. What what if anything we can do with that? And fishing from the Kent Narrows Bridge uh, to be finally have some teeth to it, to where it's, it's a fine if you fish from that position, because right now. You know, again, DNR, sheriff, the state police, they tell them to go away, but they, there's no, there's no uh, fine that can be imposed. And I think they're gonna change that and, and move that towards, uh, you, they will have the ability to find people. So that'll keep them off that structure and out from underneath that structure. Tim, did you get the hearing dates on? They have hearing dates already, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because anything that doesn't have a hearing date as of now will probably not get a hearing date. No, they got a hearing date. Okay. Yep, all those, yep. So this is House Bill 1117 you're referencing. Correct. So this is fishing. This is fishing within the 5301 right of way. Well, it's it's we made it more specific to the the uh, the Kent Narrows uh, drawbridge because it's already marked and it already has a fence. So they're going around the fence underneath the bridge, mm -hmm. and on top they're just fishing from the top of the bridge. Where and it's already been posted that there's no fishing allowed or whatever, and, and they continue. People continue to do it late at night, and this just gives us some teeth that 
you know, maybe that'll put an end to it finally, because I know it's a complaint that the Kent Narrows Development Foundation has voiced numerous times to try and fix that. And then the, the biggest thing I think that uh, happened today is uh, MDOT came out with the release of the, uh, uh, the NEPA phase one and the corridors and the selection of corridor number seven, which is where the bridge is right now. So, you know, you're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the coming months. Uh, they have uh, dates already set for call-in testimony from, from the public of Wednesday, April 14th of 2021 from 1 to 3 p.m. and 6 to 8 p.m. That's a call-in session. And then Thursday, April 15th, uh, 2021, 1 to 3 and 6 to 8 p.m. again for call-in. And then virtual, in-person, uh, Wednesday the 21st of April at the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Times to be, uh, will be coming out shortly. And uh, also uh, Thursday, April 22nd at the Kent Island American Legion. But we've had some discussion that possibly that won't be big enough. So we'll, we'll see where that turns out. But we need the public to get out there and voice their opinion about this. Uh, and uh, again, this is just phase one. Phase two is still not funded. So there's nothing that guarantees that this will move forward, but we're glad to see at least this process is coming to uh, a head. That's all I got. Okay. Commissioner Wilson. Sir. Two things. First, uh, I completely share Commissioner Brand's estimation that voting by district would be very destructive to the well-being of the entire county. It's a very different government that you would have if each of us was arguing for a small locality because what we need to do in distributing money and adjudicating fairness across the system is to look at the whole system. It's a very different thing than representing a kind of patchwork hodgepodge of local government, of local interest, and then trying to make a deal with your fellows. You would not get the I think good government you have now, if that hat comes into being, it would be very tough because you'd be, in order to, if you wanted to be reelected, you'd be forced into just representing your area rather than the good of the whole. And what we're here for is the good of the whole. That would change. So that's point one. Point two, personal estimation of mine. I think we're going to be in for a bit of a surprise in the months ahead, and you can now test and see whether I get right or wrong on this. But if you look at the national hospitalization rate of COVID cases in the United States in the last month, it has nosedived. We've gone from about 95,000 occupied beds down to 40,000 or something, and it is dropping like a rock. And the thing that makes COVID the deadly disease that it is, is this hospitalization rate. And I think that's the result of a little bit more caution on the part of the public, but the uh, outreach of the vaccines, which is really getting into the hospitalization high-risk group, is really affecting the numbers in a very dramatic way. And I think in the next month or two, you're going to see that the COVID thing in some ways ends. I think it's going to be quite... Uh, surprising to people what the effect will be. I could be wrong about this, but I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking, with this hospitalization rate dropping like it is, before long it's going to be down at the same hospitalization rate that regular flu has. And that's going to be reassuring to people. The second thing is, I believe we're going to get a surge of vaccine somewhere in late March and April. We're going to get warmer weather. 
And these things are all going to combine around May to really drop that rate down. And I think that's going to be very, very uh, soothing to the entire country. So a bit of good news from my outlook. That's cool. it. All right. Well, on the topic of COVID, just briefly, the um, the federal government is shipping out um, vaccines directly to some retail establishments. So, uh, for example, the Walgreens on Ken Island, I know, is getting vaccine from the federal government directly. That's not part of the county's allocation. The county is still slated to get 300 doses a week for the next several weeks. We're hoping that that will go up as the, the supply to the state goes up. Um, the state does have, I think they announced they, another mass vac site that is coming online. Um, and for people who are not as tech savvy, there is a number you can call. It's 1-855-634-6829. And that's 855-MD-GO-VAX, V-A-X. Um, and that is the number that you can, they'll help you to make appointments with the mass vaccine site. So if you're not having luck, um, here in the county, because of our, our low supply, I know some people have had luck in reaching out um, to the mass vac sites and getting an appointment there. So I would encourage you. Um, it would be nice if we just had one central system that had been set up for all the locations, but we don't. Um, so unfortunately, you have to sort of play the game of calling the different numbers and going on the different websites. I think Walgreens, you have to go through their website as well. And with that, I think we have time now for our hearing. Actually, you can do your swearing in because we've got to wait till 6.15. No, we have uh, two hearings. Two hearings. Oh, yeah, no, First one's right. 6.10. This will only take about two minutes. Billy's right out there if you don't mind. Yeah, we can do it. Do you want to do it? You mean the hearing or? The swearing in. Do you want to do You. That's fine. Yes, more. Yes, more. That's fine, yeah. All right, so we will, um, we will now do the swearing in of the FEC chairman, Mr. Bill Faust, if he's here. Yes. All right, there's Bill. Come on in, Bill. All right. Where you want me at? Right in front of that mic. Right there at the microphone. That'd be perfect. With or without. Yeah, you can take mask off. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Good evening, commissioners. Before I get sworn in, I do want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of all the volunteers for all the help you did us did with us this past year with the COVID and the uh, lost revenue and things like that. Uh, couldn't have done it without my friends on the commission. So I want to thank you and uh, all the fire departments thank you. So special thanks to Mr. Wilson Jack because he helped us get it all straight. And same way with the VRSs, with everybody, with getting that. That's a, a very needed safety issue with our equipment. So, so we can be able to talk on buildings that we can't talk at. So again, thank you all. Good. Thank you. All right. Ready? I state your name. I, William Faust. Do solemnly promise and swear. Do solemnly promise and swear. That I will to the best of my ability. That I will to the best of my ability. Fulfill the duties of the office to which I have been elected. To fulfill the duties of the office to which I have been elected. And uphold the bylaws of the Queen Anne's County Fire and EMS Commission. To uphold the bylaws of the Fire and EMS Commission. At the conclusion of my term of office. At the conclusion of my term of office. I will turn over to my successor. I will turn over to my successor. All records and properties. All records and properties. Entrusted to my care. Entrusted to my care. So help me God. So help me God. Thank you. Good job, Bill. Thank you. Mr. Faust, all right. 
All right, commissioners. Uh, we have uh, County Attorney Patrick Thompson and uh, our Sheriff Gary Hoffman here this evening. We want to turn to tab number six, item two. We have this uh, public hearing for the mutual aid agreement. Patrick. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Good evening commissioners. Madam Clerk. Ready? Yep, ready. This is a public hearing being held by the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County to consider the execution of a mutual aid agreement with the counties of Wicomico, Somerset, Worcester, Dorchester, Talbot, Caroline, Kent, and Cecil. Hearing is being held February 23rd, 2021 at 6.15 p.m. in the County Commissioners Meeting Room 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland. Copies of the mutual aid agreement and resolution authorizing the same have been available at the County Commissioner's Office uh, during normal business hours and online at uh, www.qac.org. Uh, citizens are asked to participate by email, live video, or audio, instructions for which were published uh, uh, in uh, Bay Times and the Record Observer. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length can be submitted to the County Commissioners, 107 North Liberty Street, Cerebral, Maryland. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of tonight's hearing was published in the Record Observer and Bay Times uh, News <coughs> General Circulation in Queen Anne's County. With that, is there any. Jeff, no do you no one signed up. I do, yeah, real quickly. This does not replace the um, ability for us now to enact mutual aid amongst other jurisdictions for an emergency situation where we would have something break loose right now and we would then call for other agencies outside of our jurisdiction to come assist us. What this basically allows us to do is to better plan and better serve the citizens of Queen Anne's County and the other jurisdictions by disaster preparedness. And if we know something's going to happen, we'll be able to have resources on standby instead of waiting 25 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours for them to get here. We can plan ahead uh, on the shore to make sure that we've got all the resources necessary if we see something coming. Um, Disaster-wise, if we had something that occurred on Route 8, uh, flooding or something like that, we could bring in other resources from the other shore jurisdictions. Um, and then we could also help them the same way. So it really helps us plan ahead. Um, with these different events and being prepared and planning ahead I think is important yeah, in our situation without having to burden the taxpayers with having to buy additional tools and uh, different types of equipment. We can all kind of share our stuff across the shore when these incidents occur. Um, recently in the past uh, several years we've only on probably four occasions had the need to go to other jurisdictions to help them with an urgent emergency response. Uh, for things. So this isn't used much, but I think it's important that we all be prepared um, and unified across the shore uh, for this mission. So, so um, Sheriff, how did we get here? I mean, um, a little background on, on what prompted this. Yeah, uh, the sheriff's, the sheriff's uh, got together and we were talking that it's, it's much easier for us to share resources Currently, right now, um, we do use uh, like in Salisbury during Bike Week, 
uh, Wicomico County would use our gyrocopter to go down there and fly surveillance or to assist the drug task force or something. Um, it just makes it a little easier for us to logistically move our resources and be prepared in advance versus waiting for that urgent 911 call at one in the morning or two in the morning. If we see something happening, we can, and they can deploy resources here as well um, to assist us before it becomes. Seems to me it's a long time overdue. It is, it is, and uh, it, it's a good thing. And it doesn't preclude um, or exclude local jurisdictions from assisting us. So if we need help from Centerville, they're already here in town. They can come out and assist us and things like that. It's just bringing resources from the lower part of the shore up here or us down there if needed. But it's only happened in my tenure as sheriff. Uh, it's only happened three or four times that we've ever needed to do those things. There's a local jurisdiction, whole command, whoever that jurisdiction would be that would need the additional assistance. Did they maintain command of the situation? Or? They would, yeah. We would establish a, they would establish a unified command there, and then we would all work with them. Um, we do have the ability. Um, it has to be initiated by the sheriff um, directly or his designee in his absence. Um, so we would have the option of opting out of something if we didn't. If we saw something that we didn't want to participate or we assumed that it would be a liability, we would have the option of easily opting out so, um, of this plan. So. And the liability goes both ways in the sense that it also protects you and our, and our law enforcement representatives outside of our jurisdiction should something happen. Correct. Yes, sir. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is there any no. public comment? No, sir. Anything? Anybody on Zoom? Oh. All right. Close Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. We'll hold a vote on that tonight, or you yeah, need to work it up for two weeks, or it's up to, up to the commissioners if you want to. I think we're good. I'll, 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 I'll bring it. It's, it's not an ordinance. I'll, I'll yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I'd uh, make a motion to pass resolution uh, 21 04. Second. Okay, any discussion? We've got a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Aye, zero passes. There you go. All right. Thanks for good. Thank you. Not that we didn't Thank want you to come back in two weeks. No, I don't mind. No, <laughs> I almost had to bring my daughter tonight. Chill. Uh, <laughs> See, that would have been good. <laughs> I figured she would run up here and get Margie to, or, or she was going to sit on the bench. Thank you all. All right. See you, Sheriff. I'll be here. All right, Commissioners. Uh, also in tab number seven, we have our second public hearing this evening. Uh, item number one, this is for the 2011 Comprehensive Water and Sewerage Plan amendments. We have two projects, and we have Patrick Thompson and our Public Works Director, Alan Quimby, six, here this evening right? as well. Step six. Step six. He said seven. Ready? Ready. This is a public hearing being held 6.15 p.m. Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. In the County Commissioner's Meeting Room, Liberty Building 107, North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. Purpose of the hearing is to consider amending the Queen Anne's County 2011 Comprehensive Water and Sewage Plan. In addition to this hearing, an informational presentation was held on six, at 6.15 p.m. on Tuesday, February 9, 2021. Um, copies of the proposed amendments have been available at the County Commissioner's Office and available electronically by sending a request to aquimby at qac.org. Testimony uh, may be accomplished by email, live video, and audio. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length may be submitted on before the hearing date to the county commissioners. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. 
sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. The first uh, proposed amendment is COPEC properties. The site is shown on tax map 58. It's parcel 643 and 814. The parcels combined are approximately 16 acres inside. In size, the parcels are located between the Winchester subdivision and the Chester River Beach subdivision. The property is owned Graysonville planned residential neighborhood. The property sewer service designation was upgraded from S3 to S2 by amendment 0606 of the 2006 Comprehensive Water and Sewers Plan, which carried five conditions. The current amendment application seeks to remove all five conditions in order to allow up to 14 lots, a minor subdivision of seven lots on each existing parcel with a new configuration and previously reviewed. The average anticipated sewer flows for the property will be 3,500 gallons per day. Sewer services will be provided by Collection Station L. Barry, if you want to go first. All right, Barry Waterman. I'm the president of Waterman Realty, uh, who's the contract purchaser for this property. As you can see on the screen, uh, the properties are situated right between the two subdivisions. Um, one parcel is 3.6 acres, the other one's 12.3, 16 acres. They're both zoned Graysonville planned residential neighborhood, which allows a lot of different uses. Uh, Graysonville planned residential neighborhood is, is one of the most intense uh, zoning districts that we have for new development. It allows multifamily, single family apartment, institutional uses, and other uses. The residential density is 3.5 units to the acre. Apartment density is 20 units to the acre for up to five acres of the property. Um, so the possible lot yield on this property, if we try to maximize everything out and everything was perfect, would be either 56 individual homes or uh, 100 apartments and 35 homes. Um, the adjacent properties are, are zoned um, to the to the south, Winchester and Woodside are both zoned. Graysonville planned residential neighborhood has the same 3.5 to the acre density. Uh, Chester River Beach is zoned NC8, which is actually a five point something units to the acre. Um, all of those properties, uh, all those communities and these two properties are located inside the critical area and they're uh, designated as limited development areas. So under a limited development area, there's no, um, there's no cap on how many units you can have, but you can only have 15% lot coverage. So you can only cover 15% of the entire site with roads, houses, driveways, whatever. So in theory, this property could support 100 apartments and 35 home sites. What we're proposing is 14. That's uh, it's a similar proposal to what you, or you, but the county commissioners approved in 2006 was a minor subdivision on both properties. Um, the reason we're seeking removal of those conditions is they were based on a proposal by the original developer of um, Winchester next door. Basically proposed a third section of Winchester where he would cut lots right off along Loblolly Way. Um, The problem is we can't attain we can't attain that for two reasons. One, we don't own all the property that Norman Point had under control in 2006, and number two, the definition of non-title wetlands has been expanded 
fairly substantially since 2006. So more of this site is not usable than was usable in 2006. Um, that, I don't know if you'll be able to see this, that, can't see it. Um, that little blue area mm -hmm. at the top of that arc, that still belongs to Norman Point. Um, the, the way that Loblolly comes in and then that property line being curved and going out to Chester River Beach is because on the original plat of Chester River Beach, that was a road. Uh, <coughs> Norman, Norman Point came into ownership of that property, uh, transferred part of it to Copec uh, back in the 60s, I believe. Um, but we don't own that piece and Norman Point did. So we already talked about um, environmental conditions. We haven't done a non-tidal wetlands delineation. I've walked the property with a um, consultant. I know there's non-tidal wetlands all over the place. They're gonna direct where we can put lots. And again, we can't put lots where uh, Norman Point intended to put lots. Um, we believe the lots are gonna be located more to the north and the center of the property. So that yellow area is the property that Norman Point owned that we don't own. And of his uh, seven or eight lots on Loblolly Way, all of them Weir would be unable to do because we don't own that frontage. So uh, in theory, we could um, create lots down on the, the, the very, to the right, which would be the south end of that property. But even in 2006, almost all of that property was designated as non-tidal wetland. So we just don't anticipate that we can accomplish what was done there. So in 2006, the conditions you put on, um, the commissioners put on that uh, request made sense when you were expanding the Winchester subdivision. They had to be subject to the same restrictions. They had to put up street lights to match the rest of the street lights on Winchester. They had to put a light on uh, the entrance sign and I don't know what else. But um, anyway, they, they made sense for the expansion of that existing subdivision. But now that doesn't make sense because we can't expand that subdivision. We can't carve lots out on that road um, unless we were to come into ownership of that property and there's been no discussions about that at this point. So what we envision are that we will come in from where the paper road tied into Chester River Beach from the north coming south and that there will be a cluster of lots in that <coughs> center section of the property as seen. Um, and again, we're proposing uh, 14 lots. That's 12 lots and two residual lots. So that's, that's what we think makes sense there. Uh, if we can accomplish that, then we can pay Mr. Kopech what he wants for this property and, um, and we can provide some fairly attractive housing. Those lots as proposed are larger than the Chester River Beach lots that they um, are close to and approximately the same size, maybe even a little bit larger than those in Winchester. But again, that's all gonna be dependent on the non-tidal wetland term, um, delineation. And so we're asking you to remove those conditions, allow us to have a maximum of a minor subdivision on each property, which would be a total of 14 lots. If you have any uh, technical questions, Tommy Davis is here to answer those, and I'd be happy to answer anything that I could. Uh, I, I got a question. So the, the Loblolly lots that are there, that are drawn on there now, are off the table and can't build those. That was a subdivision that was processing through in 2006 and then the market collapsed and it was abandoned. Right. Because. Um, but you're saying you don't own the, the yellow piece of property? That's correct. That's still so the that's, norm point. Can't be done. Can't be done. So no. where, I mean, you're asking for a maximum of 14. You're, you, well, you're asking, you're, you're hoping for 14 lots. 
are the majority of those going to be to the left of going to be those lots to the, to the lots to the left that are kind of hand drawn those were not part of the original subdivision. Just the lots fronting on Loblolly Way Correct. were the 2006. Mm -hmm. So what I think we're showing 10 lots there. Could we right. get could we get 12 lots there? That's our hope, but uh -huh. we don't know that you know we don't know that we'll. But get that's it. that's your going to be your your egress. You're not going to come off a of Loblolly. You're going to come off through. The I don't see. It's a little hard because there's so much stuff on there. But if right. you look. Um, at the very top there where the lots come in at an angle, yes. there's a non-tidal wetland, there's a pond there. And then off the bottom edge of that is a, is a uh, ditch. There's a pretty substantial ditch. It runs all the way across the, the back sides of those original lots, mm -hmm. and then all the way up behind the lots in Chester River Beach. Now that ditch is all clogged up, uh, and, and maybe that if we can get in there and clean that up, if we can get permission to do that, it'll help the drainage problems on, on the back end of some of those Chester River Beach lots. But I don't see any way we get a road through that non-tidal wetland to connect to Loblolly. So again, the only way we could ever do that is if, if we owned the piece that Norman Point owns now. If, if we were able to, to secure that, then possibly we could make a connection between those two. I don't know that it would make sense to make that connection because again, it depends on where the non-tidal wetlands are, but you can see on this plat that the non-tidal wetlands are both at the top and the bottom. Uh, as that's oriented now, so that the center section is where any development can take place. The lots that you have drawn there, uh, are those the minimum size? Is that the minimum? There is no minimum size in, in the planned residential neighborhoods. Um, so what those lots are, are 65 by 180. What are they? 65 by 180. Uh, we intentionally drew them to be larger than the lots in Chester River Beach. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with 50-foot lots, but a 50-foot lot is, is somewhat tight to build on. Right. Um, and we're not going to get that many lots, so we don't need to make them tiny lots. But your, your lot coverage is, is dependent on the entire area of the that's, property. That's correct. The 16 acres, we get 15% of 16 acres. So those, if, the less you put in there, you could... Well, what we've done on other communities that had the same uh, coverage limitation is we basically ended up having to build the houses and say, that's, that's your house. You don't get to expand it. You don't get to put a pool in, um, in some no patios, no sidewalks. That's right. correct. Right. So, um, that's probably what will happen here as well. Um, so you're extinguishing seven and adding 10 for a net add of three, really? But you said 14. There were 10, um, in the original and proposal 10 marked in. and, um, um so you're, it's a net add of three or four. Yes. Yeah. It's not very much. Yeah. Um, one of condition two on the original said stormwater management facility shall be designed and constructed to avoid additional impacts to the surrounding properties. Obviously, those are the properties that are running. Um, up Chester River Beach Road and, and whose backyards will back up to this project. So obviously you still have to do a stormwater management program. Yes. So, it, so you're asking for these five conditions to be eliminated, but technically you're still going to have to do a storm. Stormwater management is required by the, the, the county stormwater board. So we would, we would be required to address that regardless of the conditions on the top reference water and sewer plan. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because that's one of the and things any, that you're asking. Any concerns over 5,000 square foot of the stormwater management? Okay. 
greater than 5,000 square foot requires stormwater management. <clears throat> so technically, if, if you reduce those lots, so you're showing, us, you're showing us 10 lots. If you were to reduce the size of those lots to say 60 by 100, you could probably pick up two more lots and be at 12, 13 lots if you wanted. Yes. Okay. I mean, if you reduce the size of the lots, you could fit more lots in whatever that area is. The question is, how big is the area that's not non-tidal wetlands? Um, and that's just our best guess. But 15% is 15%. Right. That's correct. So, can't, can't, right. can't change that. Right, right. Okay. I don't have any questions. Anything, anything else from you? Public comment? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, here, give your name and address, please. You can remove your mask so, while you're testifying. My name is Gerald Mann. Uh, I live at 522 Chester River Beach Road. Uh, that area really concerns me with, with the building back there because, like you, as you were talking about, the wetlands back there, you have several ponds, you have a lot of marshland. I've seen geese, ducks, deer in there all the time, and I've even seen a couple fox squirrels back there before. So now you're going to be encroaching on all that habitat of them people there. Uh, it's going to put... Ex ex more traffic on the Chester Drive, Chester River Drive, and Chester River Beach Road. And we always have, we have people in and out of there now, a lot of vehicles coming out, it's a long road coming out. Uh, I don't know, but I don't know what kind of a strain this would put on the pumping station either. I, if any, I, I just, I'm a concern of mine. Uh, and that, that's my main thing, was the wetlands and all the animals in back air and, you know, I've seen I've seen what happened before across the creek. They came in there and they on the hissy farm. They they said it was there'd be fox squirrels and they said, oh okay, as long as we don't tear, get rid of the trees along the water line from the houses down, everything will be fine. Two years later, people were cutting the trees down, had their green lawns coming right down to the creek. Once they get get there, okay, the people do what they want to do, and nobody nobody corrects them or anything. And it's going to be the same situation with these wetlands and all that. People are going to just be doing stuff all over in the wetlands and everything. And I think it's going to ruin the area. I really do. And the excessive traffic. That's all I have to say. And thank you for listening to me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else have any public comment? Uh, yes, we do have people on Zoom. I would like to uh, send a message to people on Zoom, though. though uh, we have about 20 people in there. And if you haven't... Uh, talked to our screening room yet we don't know that you want to talk so if you could at least uh, turn on your video so we know that you want to speak and then please accept the invite from the screening room all right our first comment on zoom is going to come from Robbie Duran I'm asking you to unmute now Robbie then please introduce yourself and you have three minutes yeah I'm Robbie Duran I live at uh, 647 Chester River Beach so our property would be uh directly kind of behind and to the right of what he just showed on the plot. Um, it, it, the wildlife obviously is a big concern. Uh, there's not a whole lot of places for it to go over here uh, if it gets removed from there. But even more importantly, uh, my yard um, and several of my neighbor's yards all the way up on this side here, 
have extreme flooding issues so much that if this goes through, I'd request that the uh, county commissioners give me water from property. Because <laughs> uh, I haven't seen grass uh, in my backyard since September of this year. And any development back there is they're going to have to raise the land and it's just going to push more water. I mean, we're strict. We're right downhill. There's no route about it. And it, it's all come from that back. So, I mean, if they raise the raise the surface level at all, it's just going to push more water to, onto our backyards and just swamp us more. I mean, my kids can't even go outside right now. It's so wet. That's all I have to say. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Robbie. All right, again, please uh, accept the invite. I see you have your screens on. Uh, please uh, accept the invite from our screen room first, and then we'll come right back to you. We do have some emails to read, though, and then we'll come back to our Zoom. Uh, the first one's going to actually be a voicemail that was left, so we're going to do a very technical thing, and I'm going to put the mic up to the computer. <laughs> it's very professional. for the county commissioners concerning the COPEC properties that will be discussed this evening. I have two questions. According to the map that I am viewing, it appears that there's a proposal for 10 or 14 homes to be built on the property. 10 of which will be exiting to Chester River Drive. There was no posting at the entrance of this property concerning this issue. Could she hear us? I'd like to know why since there was a posting of the meeting on Lob Lolly. She didn't leave her name. Okay, I believe that concluded the voicemail. Uh, she is actually in the, uh, the Zoom meeting also, so she would be able to hear any response, but. All right, I'm gonna go over to a couple of emails we have. First comes from Tracy Howard. The water runoff to the homes on Chester River Beach Road, which back up directly to these parcels, is a major concern. Many of the properties on Chester River Beach Road already flood during a minor rainstorm, and any alteration to the property being considered for development will have an extremely generative impact on those properties from water runoff. Two, the environmental impact of the wildlife that live on those parcels will be devastating. There are deer, frogs, raccoons, waterfowl, etc., that will be permanently displaced. These parcels will directly affect my property. I oppose to anything being built that will directly affect any adjoining residential property and any building that will directly affect the wildlife that resides there. Our next email comes from the Winchester HOA Board. The HOA Board of Winchester Community met to discuss the proposed new subdivision on the Copec property's land directly adjacent to Loblolly Way. A primary concern to us as our community members is stormwater management. The immediate areas surrounding much of the proposed COPEC plan, as well as the Winchester, is non-tidal wetlands. These areas are often extremely saturated and quite literally on the doorsteps of some homes. If approved, our hope would be that the county takes any and all steps to ensure additional changes to nearby land topology, including proper and sufficient drainage for even the most severe weather events. 
The county floodplain manager is in routine inspections of Winchester, has commented on the poor planning and development of our community leading to insufficient drainage. The fear is additional development would further impact our neighborhood and make things worse. Other concerns for the Winchester community include the locations of additional four allowed lots not sketched, also the status of the original seven lots abutting Loblolly Way. Would the, would the approval of the new plan nullify the previous approval plan from 0606? It's our understanding the removal of five conditions that pertain specifically to Winchester infers those lots are no longer to be developed or ever will be without additional approval. Thank you for your time and consideration. Our next email comes from Dr. Michael Keller. I live at 307 Loblolly Way, Graysonville, Maryland, 21638, which is part of the Winchester Estates development. I'm very concerned over the request to undo the five original criteria for this project. Specifically, I'm troubled about criteria number two, which states, stormwater management facilities shall be designed and constructed to avoid additional impacts to the surrounding properties. I would respectfully request more time be given to evaluate and understand what issues removing these five criteria would cause in my neighborhood. When this proposal came up many years back, it was approved for up to eight lots, and now the developer wants to double that number and include up to 16 lots, without further review of the plans and potential impacts on the two neighborhoods and its residents. I would also caution, as the only notice I have seen for this project, is the orange sign that was placed on Loblolly Way in the Winchester Estate subdivision. I have not seen or heard any notices that have been given or placed in the Chester River Beach neighborhood, which may indicate why you have only heard from one resident on that development. Next email is from George Edmonds. As a resident of Winchester Estates on Loblolly Way, the concern of overall drainage in the FEMA floodplain area that is already pushing its limits currently is at the top of my list. There are new FEMA 2.0 floodplain maps out now that I would want any and all plans to conform to the new specifications. MDP is looking to increase the 7.5 foot minimum build around sea level to a higher requirement. The sewer pipes running down Chester River Beach Road have been patched more than once. When they leak, the drainage is sent directly into Winchester Creek. More maintenance would be needed to culverts, sewer pipes, and water holding areas for existing impervious service runoff. Adding more impervious services is troubling along with the fact that the Hurricane Isabel caused the Loblolly Way and Chester River Road intersection to be impassable for days due to floodwaters. Will the county be responsible for the road modifications for even more traffic? Shaw has designated the road as an evacuation route and the Shaw priorities begin near VFW Avenue. Also, the increased traffic will require, as it is already a need, for calming humps, speed bumps for Loblolly Way, and really also starting near the 25 mile speed limit location on Chester River Beach Road. I would hope that the Queen Anne's County impervious service regulations are a part of the planning. Does any of the building areas fall inside the critical area commission mapped boundaries? Thank you for considering these concerns. Our next email comes from Wade Johans. County Commissioners, I write in opposition to the proposed amendment striking the five provisions listed in the 2006 Water and Sewage Plan concerning the COPEC properties. I live adjacent to the proposed location on the properties on parcel 643. I am specifically opposed to striking conditions one and two. I am opposed because parcel 643 collects a large amount of stormwater runoff, which pulls in a pond behind my lot. If additional units are constructed with no stormwater and runoff mitigation plan, it will absolutely result in the expansion of the pond and further encroachment of it to my lot and those of my neighbors. Additional homes and driveways reduce the area for stormwater to permeate the surface, creating additional runoff that will end up running through my yard before it goes under the street and out to the bay. 
This would increase the potential for flooding and influence the flood zone designation, which would increase premiums. Striking condition two is a negligent proposal based on the, of the obvious impact to surrounding properties. Stormwater management must be the highest priority of any construction allowed on this parcel. I am also generally opposed to allowing additional construction beyond the current limit of eight units in condition one due to the potential presence of critically endangered species in parcel 643. The species in question is the bog turtle, which has been observed near the runoff pond in parcel 643. Any potential damage to the ecosystem of the lots deserves further study. Our next email comes from Frank Hepfer. Myself and many others are strongly opposed to removing the five established conditions attached to the property. Removing these conditions would lead to the development of this property resulting in increased traffic to both communities, Winchester and Chester, and Chester River Beach. Traffic is already a problem. Destruction of the habitat for wildlife irreversible environmental impact leading to local pollution runoff, affecting the local area and leaching into the river, irreversible damage to the pond attached to the property and the adjoining Walters Pond, increased foot traffic in the area with further projection of the above, and many established families in both of these neighborhoods will be leaving should the project move forward. Adding 14 to 17 houses from a tax standpoint will offer little when compared to the devastating effects of moving forward. Let us not try to build on every postage stamp of dry land. Strongly oppose an Eastern Shore strong. Next email comes from Kay Ryder. There are significant existing drainage issues between Chester River Beach Road Drive and Loblolly that will further be impacted by developing parcels 643 and 814. Further development of these parcels will only exacerbate the problem for the water pump station shared by all that live in Chester River Beach, the CRB community. The pump station can barely handle normal rain events, let alone a major storm. This CRB community does not have the municipal gutters or drainage off the roadway. Please oppose the amendments to drop the conditions for the development of the vacant tree farmland. Not designing the stormwater facilities to handle this development is a mistake that will impact many in the community and all rely on the pump station. We've been asked to not run our washing machines and take showers after major rain events due to the inability of the pump station to process the runoff. Knowingly ignoring the current insufficient state of stormwater management in the community surrounding these two parcels is negligence and irresponsible putting the public and these families at risk of harm and property damage. Our next email comes from Kate Lesney. I'm writing in reference to the proposed development of the land in Chester River Beach community. I live in 615 Chester River Beach Road. I feel this development will cause issues with privacy and environmental impact that I feel will be devastating. The biggest concern I have heard from neighbors is the sewering. We live in a swampy area that tends to hold water. I live next to one of the pump houses. When there's a storm, there are county employees at the pump house almost 24 seven working on pumping issues. We experienced storms last summer that dumped more than an inch several times. And I know the pump house was overwhelmed each time. Since I'm always at home, I watched the county struggle to keep the pumps running every time. I would like to know what are the plans to improve the drainage in this area as it is already unable to keep up with the water output in our area. This sewering issue goes hand in hand with environmental impact on wildlife in this area. One of the most wonderful things about living in this community is the proximity to the environment. It is a beautiful neighborhood. We have deers, foxes, owls, frogs, crayfish, blue herons, ospreys, and on and on. I worry about the animals. They were here first. They deserve to have a refuge and that is disappearing fast in this town. In my opinion, the development of this area would negatively impact the quality of life for not only the wild animals, but also the human beings who live here and enjoy this land of pleasant living. This community epitomizes shore living, and I would hate to see that disappear. 
I don't support the development due to the reasons I have stated, but I feel there are more issues to be addressed that I haven't even considered. I have no idea if this was even in the works since I don't receive a newspaper and I didn't attend the meeting last month. The only reason I'm aware is because I received a letter from the county last week, a letter that many of my neighborhoods say they didn't receive. I feel that there are many in the community that are not aware of this problem development, and I don't think they would support it if they did know. There needs to be a major studies done to examine the impact on wildlife, as well as the environmental impact of adding more to people to this community's sewage and water management are already overextended, and I think it could not support this development. I feel that the general, the county, had, I feel that in general, the county has ignored environmental concerns in pursuit of a larger tax base. I see what is going on in Stevensville. I do not want to. I do not want that to happen here. We have already had some questionable houses built in Graysonville. I don't want this trend to continue in my neighborhood. Um, okay, Matthew Donahue. I am property owner in the Chester River Beach community. I write in opposition of the proposed amendment application concerning the Copec property. The Chester River Beach community already suffers from stormwater drainage and sewer issues. Over the past year, I've experienced several sewer backups brought on by the above average rainfall and flooding. I fear that the addition of 14 more homes connected to our sewer will result in additional problems for our community. The proposed amendment application seemingly does nothing to account for the additional sewer capacity that will be required to support these residents and in fact removes the requirement that stormwater management be addressed. I further concerned that the proposed amendment application seeks to remove the condition that new properties will be a part of the Winchester community and be subject to the community's confidence. Properties within the Chester River Beach are also subject to restrictive covenants. The addition of 14 unrestricted parcels right in the middle of these two communities risks disturbing the character of both communities. This proposed amendment application seeks to benefit a single property developer at the expense of two entire surrounding neighborhoods. I respectfully ask that this amendment application be denied until a company with reasonable conditions that sufficiently address the concerns of the citizens who will be impacted the most. I do see that we do have some people that have joined us on uh, our uh, Zoom. So I'm going to go over to, one second, Scott Sumita. Scott, if you could please unmute, and then you have three minutes to work. Thank you for pronouncing my last name right. That's pretty rare. <laughs> um, I, I, I have the same concerns as everybody else. Um, I live at 909 Chester River Drive. Um, on the map that he was showing that has the proposed, yes, that one that has the proposed lots the the on the very left south end of his his proposed lots my property bumps pretty much right up to that um he has this map drawn on a pond i mean there's a pond right there i i, I don't understand like how we can think for a second that that would not be protected it, just, it has to be protected um you know another thing he it's the, again, with those drawings, the, the Winchester properties that he has displayed on there, he's admitted himself he can't, there's no way he can develop those. The only properties he could develop would be on the Chester River Beach side, but there was never any postings about any of this in our community at all. And that seems pretty shady to me. Um, the drainage, obviously a problem. Everybody in the community has the problem. Um, it, my yard hasn't been dry since August. Uh, you know, I, I move, only moved here about a year or two ago, but I was born and raised in Ellicott City. And I know everybody remembers what's been happening in Ellicott City lately because the development in the area has gone completely unchecked and nothing happened with the sewer systems. They have floods, they killed my friend Eddie, 
you know, there, there's, there's, it, it, it's been awful. I, you know, I really hope that, you know, it, you just, uh, it, you just missed it when you said that, you, when you proposed that you were gonna revoke all five of these rules, because the one about the drainage, no matter what happens, it has to absolutely be done probably even if this community doesn't expand, you know, it, it needs to be upgraded, period, let alone with 10, 14 more houses. Um, the impact of the wildlife is undeniable. The pond is amazing that I have right behind my house and he's got houses covering it up. I mean, there, there, there's, there's no way around that. He has houses drawn on that map that are covering a pond. So, I mean, that's really all I had to say. I agree with everybody else that, that has spoken already. I have the same concerns as them. Um, we've seen this kind of stuff happen in other towns and it just, it, it, it's dangerous and, and uh, I, I'm opposed to it. Thank you. All right, thank you, Scott. All right, next we're gonna to go to Lisa Napoli. If you could please unmute Lisa. Hi, thank you for allowing me to speak today. Uh, my name is Lisa and I live at 532 Chester River Beach Road. We appear to be the uh, low, lowest lot in the area and during bad weather uh, the pumping station cannot keep up and our toilets bubble up with sewage. So it is a big issue for us. So I am totally opposed to having more houses added unless there is a plan to upgrade the pumping station and having somebody monitor that pumping station throughout uh, a hurricane or some major storm is not the answer. That's all I have to say, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. All right, next we're gonna move on to Sherry Turner. If you could please unmute Sherry. Hi, thank you very much. Um, my name is Sherry Turner. We live at 623 Chester River Beach Road, and we back to the new proposal for lot lobby <coughs> for the homes over there. And we are close to the pumping station as well. And we constantly hear it go off when we have rain. I was born and raised on the Eastern shore, so we're used to water, <laughs> but it's a lot here. And the lot behind us where they're proposing to build the Loblolly homes is constantly underwater. And I worry that when they build these homes, that it'll be raised up and the water will end up in our backyard. And we already have enough water in our backyard to begin with. Um, like I said, you know, it is something that everybody deals with on the Eastern shore, but these proposal for these homes will just make it so much worse on all of us. And for our wonderful people that work for the county and come out to the pumping station constantly, because it, um, like I said, we're close enough that we constantly hear it go off when the rain waters do come in. So um, I guess that's it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Sherry. And our last comment, it appears, comes from Tommy Marcellus. Tommy, if you could please unmute. Hey, good evening, everybody. Um, pretty much agree with what everybody's been saying. I live at 829 Chester River Drive. I'm right next to that little slot of land that comes out that's going to hook to Chester River Drive for the entranceway. Um, originally, I thought that it was going to be coming off a lot of lolly because if this was supposed to be Loblolly community or whatever, you would think they would have to confer with Chester River Beach to see, hey, we're gonna have an entrance coming into this neighborhood. So 
to me, I would think that it would actually be part of Chester River Beach and Chester River Beach should have had some kind of a meeting to discuss all this possibly happening. Um, it just seems kind of weird. And I mean, right now, we already have problems with people speeding up and down the road. For people to be coming out right there, it's not gonna be very good adding in that extra traffic. Um, that's about all I got on that, really. Thank you, Tommy. And I believe that concludes our public comment through Zoom. All right. We have a public comment. Let's close press public comment. We have one more proposal. Hold on, Patrick. I think we have. Adam Barkley. Patrick. Patrick, hold on. One response there. If I could just quickly make a short comment. Um, first off, we're not here seeking subdivision approval. That is, we're not asking you to approve that sketch plan. Every single comment raised tonight has to be addressed in the subdivision process. We cannot flood Chester River Beach. We cannot overwhelm the sewage system. We cannot build on top of whatever turtle that is uh, that's on the endangered species list, if there is such a thing. Uh, we can't do any of that. We have to go through the process. We're here simply to find out whether you all are going to grant a sewer amendment that would allow us to potentially put 14 total lots, not 17, not 18, 14 total lots on this property. So all of the concerns, while, while legitimate concerns, they're all something that we feel confident we can address. And if we can't address them, we cannot get an approval for the subdivision. So all of this stuff gets taken into account. No doubt that drainage is a big issue. I will tell you that that point is the highest point in the entire Chester River Beach Peninsula uh, on this property. Sure, there's low areas there, but that's the <laughs> highest ground there. We are not going to be bringing in uh, dirt to fill up and push everybody's water on top of their yards. None of that's going to happen. Thank you. Okay. Tommy, how big are those lots, the Chester River Road, those lots? They look very small. I think they were plotted out. 50 foot, but a lot of people bought like 50 foot and then half of the next lot, so it's kind of, kind of hard to tell. Mm -hmm. 50 foot width and, I don't know, probably 200 feet depth. Mm -hmm. Alan, I think they, they, uh, a lot of testimony was your pumping station. You have, do you have issues at that pumping station or is this uh, uh, we have issues with all vacuum sewer systems? So yes, <laughs> they work great when it doesn't rain, when it rains, it can struggle. Right. Chester River Beach has small diameter mains in it. Loblolly has larger size mains. I don't think they have the issues that Chester River Beach is, but yeah, there's issues there. Mm. Just like every, the other 14 vacuum sewer mm. sub-areas we have. Uh, commissioners, we did have one more public comment of someone that joined Zoom. I'm gonna go back to Zoom and we have a comment from Bo Wilder. Bo, if you could please unmute. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, they covered a lot on the on all the wetlands back there, and I think it, it's going to be an issue. Um, I, I think uh, if, for those that haven't been back here, they would take a drive back here. It's uh, uh, unfortunate enough not to have a problem with it, but there are many homes between these two roads. They carry a lot of water behind. You can actually see the the pumps are actually pumping water out a lot, lot of ways. But with that being said, I, the, one, the one point I do want to say, I, I, don't, I don't think it was fairly, uh, the Chester River Beach community was not fairly notified. I felt like Loblolly did have a sign out front, and that's why I'm here tonight. But I feel like 
Chester has done a good job representing himself, but there's some people in their community that I don't think they probably know about it. The sign where it was placed on Lot Mall, and it's really going to drastically affect some of those neighbors like Scott and some of those others over there. So I, I, I think we need to make sure everybody's aware of what's going on. It wasn't quite done. I don't know why the sign was placed on Lot Mall and not the other side, but for whatever it's worth, that's, what, that's my opinion. Okay. Thank you, Bo. And uh, one more <laughs> came up as, uh, as Bo was speaking. Uh, Kim Hannon. Uh, Kim, if you could please unmute. Yeah. All right, go ahead. All right. Hey, everybody. Um, okay, so I live at 641 Chester River Beach Road. I'm also on the board for the Chester River Beach um, Civic Association. Um, again, I agree with all the people that live in the community, um, but specifically, as was mentioned a couple times, there was no signage along Chester River Beach or Chester River Drive, um, and also for the entrance to Copec Farm. So until, you know, we received a letter last week, we had no idea that this was happening. Um, in reference to the public notice, the five um, five bullet points here. Um, the majority of these actually reference Winchester. So, if Winchester Creek is going to um, not even be part of where the the entrance of the, this new little subdivision, and I'm going to say a little subdivision because it is going to be kind of part of Chester River Beach, but it's going to be a new area these were built basically in the 50s um, so that's my my thing is yes it's going to impact everything right now like everybody else that has spoken we have had water in our backyard since august um, it's it's going to be uh, very challenging in order to do the um Storm, storm management. We have a pond literally right behind our house, and our house is actually a pond too. I'm surprised ducks don't come and try to feed every day <laughs> with all the water that we have. Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you, Kim. So, just out of curiosity, was this supposed to be posted? Was there a requirement for posting on the property that? It was posted on Lot we didn't see this configuration until the informational meeting you showing access all the Chester River Drive, but typically you only post once on the property. And every adjacent property gets sent a notice. So if you want to immediately adjacent to Copec property, you did not get a notice. Okay. That's what's required by the plan. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess, Alan, one more question for you. That, uh, that uh, Chester River Beach, that's mm -hmm. a, a public road. Yes. You maintain those roads? Yes, we do. How, what's, you maintain the stormwater there also? No. Other than roadside ditches, no. Because? Uh, we don't have that. It's not in our right-of-ways. We maintain what's in our right-of-ways. So, the right of, so there's no ditches along the road? Yeah, I so said we, we, we maintain the roadside squales. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Okay. You, okay. Right. But, I mean, that doesn't mean there's good drainage there. I mean, it's, it's flat. There's right. no place for it to go. It just sits in the ditch. Okay. I have actually have a question for Alan. <laughs> so um, they 
Cloverfields has the same vacuum system. Yep. And, and we're having issues with that. We, we made a motion this, to, to sign a letter of support for, um, for a program or a study for drainage, correct, in the Cloverfields? Mm -hmm. And directly or indirectly related to our vacuum systems that we constantly get phone calls when it rains. More well, it certainly doesn't help it. In other words, it's the health of the water that's running off into, into our creeks and bays. I understand that that was the motivation behind this motion that we made earlier. Correct. Right? Okay. Well, the motivation, or to try to slow the amount of water entering Cloverfield. So it just, it all rushes to Cox Creek and can't get away fast enough. So the theory is if you can slow it getting there, let the water that's already there out, it won't back up as far. Which obviously, if you have a yard's underwater and you have a sewer in the yard and you got a broken clean out, it's, it's an issue. Okay. With that, I think we're. Are we done, done. with Go Back Property? Yes, Patrick, thank you. Next is Town of Barclay. The incorporated Town of Barclay is requesting a sewer map amendment to upgrade the service area designation from S6 to S2 for the four properties below, plus a portion of a railroad right-of-way encompassed by those properties. They were recently annexed into the town limits. This amendment will allow the property to connect to a planned denied access sewer line as approved previously by Amendment 0612 in November 25, 2008, which will connect the town of Barclay to the town of Sullivanville sewer treatment plant. Properties considered for annexation are predominantly vacant agricultural lands and are all located to the east of Maryland Route 313, Goldsboro Road, and north of Maryland 302, Barclay Road, and consists of the following. Tax map 18, parcel 24, 51 acres. Tax map 18, parcel 57, 26 acres. Tax map 24, parcel 155, 12 acres. Tax map 24, parcel 52, one acre. Flows from the service area will be treated at the Sullivanville Sewer Treatment Plant. The town of Barkley has been allocated a maximum flow of 75,000 gallons per day, May to September, and 90,000 gallons per day, October through April, at the Sullivanville Water Wastewater Treatment Plant. Patrick. Thank you. For the record, Patrick Thomas, town attorney for the town of Barkley. Um, in, as background, in 2015, the uh, water and sewer plan was amended to upgrade certain parcels that had been annexed into the town of Barclay um, from S6 to S2 and to upgrade all the other properties from S3 to S2 to reflect the uh, construction of the sewer system extension from Southersville to Barclay. Uh, there were uh, four recently annexed properties that were conditioned on an amendment to Barclay's comprehensive plan for the municipal growth element because they weren't in there at that time. Um, and then in 2016, the commissioners of Barclay uh, adopted resolution 2016-05 to include these, pro these four properties in their municipal growth element. Uh, and they also added the five subject properties that Mr. Thompson just referenced, uh, which we're here tonight about. Um, in 2019, the commissioners adopted annexation resolution 2019-01, which annexed these five properties into the town, uh, effective December 3rd, 2019. Portions of these were actually already in the town limits. They were half in the county, half in the town, um, that, and those, the properties that were in town had been already upgraded to S2. Um, as part of the annexation process, 
the director of planning coordination for MDP sent a letter to the town uh, and he stated these were not, these properties were not designated as PFAs because they weren't shown on the, the water and sewer plan as being planned for sewer service within the next 10 years. Uh, he requested that the town come to the county for an amendment to the water and sewer plan. Uh, additionally, the county commissioners uh, on a letter dated uh, September 24th, 2019, provided favorable comments on the annexation, um, provided that once the annexation was complete, the town would come before you to request the amendment uh, to the, the county water and sewer plan. In fact, this was actually a condition of the commissioner's waiver of the five-year zoning hold on these properties. So we're here before you tonight asking uh, that these properties be upgraded from S6, S6 to S2 consistent with uh, the foregoing. Thank you. A public comment with respect to the town of Barclays request? Yeah, we all have it. Okay. All right. I'll have it for two weeks. Sure. Leave, it, leave the record open for two weeks. Yeah, yeah leave the record open two weeks. <clears throat> You want to vote Thank on you. both of them? Or you, want to, you want to just vote on both of them, or you want to vote on one of them now? I think we should leave open on both of them. Okay. Fine. Right. I was referring to Barkley. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> this that one's cut. Well, I, I guess if someone wants to make a motion to the Barkley one. I mean, no was, no I, I, I on think it. that I one's cut and dry. Do it. Yeah. You know I mean, so I'm, I'll make a motion. I move to approve the map amendment request to upgrade the sewer service category from S6 to S2 for the four parcels recently annexed into the town of Barclay. Second. second. Motion to second. Any discussion? All right. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Who carries? Now you just got to get sewer from Southersville to Barclay and then you'd be in business. <laughs> there you go. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you all very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Tom Thomas and Mr. Thompson. Thank you both for coming tonight. Mr. I believe that concludes all of our business tonight. Uh, we can go to our final press and public comment period. If there's anybody else that wants to make any. We, we did have two comment. emails that came in late, uh, both concerning the, uh, the first hearing. If it's okay to read those now. It's press and public comment. If they want to yeah. talk during press and public okay. comment. Go ahead. Uh, our first uh, email comes from Mike Jeffrey. Uh, As a 12-year resident in Chester River Beach community, I may have concerns and questions about the development of 14 lots between our community and the Winchester neighborhood. Looking at the map would be a new road that had. <laughs> looking at the map, would a new road would have been added in our neighborhood to access 10 of those lots or future homes? <clears throat> the drainage is a huge problem for many of the lots that come up to those proposed lots. How will that problem be addressed? Would these new homes be part of the Winchester community or the Chester River Beach? How can that happen without a CRP association vote or even notice? Many neighbors are not aware of these issues. And our final comment comes from Teresa Heron. Actually, I believe Teresa spoke. I'm not positive. I'll read it. It's quick. Hi, I just wanted to submit a comment for having the, in, the entry of the property of Chester River Drive. I think it's a better idea to have the entrance to the community off of Lob Lolly. The driveway on Chester River Drive is so close to two of the properties on either side, it would be changed to a public street. If I lived there, I would not like that at all. That should be left to the driveway for the lot closest to the street only. Also increasing the number of homes allowed in the former tree farm puts a great stain on our already full system. The nature that reside there will be disturbed. It's a very swampy lot and attracts wildlife that shouldn't be disturbed. Our area in Chester River Beach is special because of its location and beautiful nature. Please don't overcrowd us. Thank you. And that's all we have. 
All right, that's everything, right? That's all we have. I'll entertain a motion, motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Second. Motion to second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Aye.